So we're going to look this morning at the God who finishes. And I just want to say to you guys that came out to be prayed for, and those of you that didn't but really wanted to, God finishes what he started. And whatever he started this morning, whatever he started however many years ago, he's always faithful to finish it. So, hands up, who's good at finishing things off? I don't know why I've got my hands up. I'm rubbish. Oh, there's a few people here that are good. Adam can't even decide. <laughs> can't even get... He's not even good at starting off with his hand up. <laughs> okay, says he's not very good. I am not very good at finishing things off. Over Christmas, one of our daughters came home with a with a, an embroidery set. And I thought, oh, that's impressive. She said, oh, you know, a bit of time on my hands. I thought I might do some embroidery. I said, oh, I think I'll get mine out. I've got my cross stitch upstairs. So I went and got out my cross stitch, realized I can't actually see to do the cross stitch because I deny that I need reading glasses. So it's still sitting in the corner of the room. I started the cross stitch when I was pregnant with Holly. <laughs> She's 27. I've decided I don't come into the category of people that finish things off. But you know what? We've got a God who is really good at finishing things. We're going to start at the beginning. Let's start in Genesis. Genesis 2.2. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. I like this. God finished it. He's got some good boundaries as God. He knows when he started something. He knows when he's finished something. And he knows when to rest. And I like that. I've got a few things to learn from that. Um, But God finished. He finished that amazing work of creation. He was really pleased with what he'd done. So he sat down and he had a rest. I still wonder what he did during that rest time. Was he thinking up the next bit? I I don't know. But God sat down and he rested because he'd finished. And finishing always involves detail, doesn't it? If you've ever had an extension, had a new house, had any work done on your house, you'll know that at the end there's something called a snagging list. My heart sinks a little even just thinking about a snagging list. They're just exhausting. They're just all the bits and pieces that have got to be done to finish something off. But the great news is that our mighty God, who made the heavens and the earth and then sat down and rested, knows the number of hairs on your head. Now, that's a level of detail that I can only aspire to. But he's about the big and he's about the little. And he's about finishing it all off which is wonderful. And then there's Jesus. So Jesus was right there at the beginning. It says in John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word, that's Jesus, and the word was with God and the word was God. Sometimes a bit mind-blowing. We're learning about this in Alpha. We've been talking about who is Jesus and the fact that Jesus was entirely a man that came to earth but he's entirely God as well. And that's quite a big concept to, to get your mind round. We're still working on it. We're still, we're still working on working it out. 
But Jesus, who's there at the beginning with God, when all the great creating is going on, then breaks into our time and space, comes down as love to us to finish something. In John 4, it's a well-known story, if you, if you know the Bible, of Jesus and the woman at the well. And the disciples have gone off to find some McDonald's or some sort of lunch of some description, Subway, I don't know, maybe something a bit classier than that. Uh, maybe a local Turkish restaurant. I'm not entirely sure. Um, but they'd gone off to find lunch and Jesus is left at the well with the Samaritan woman and he tells her everything she's ever done. And this is the beginning of the whole of Samaria coming to know Jesus. It's a great story. And when she leaves, the disciples come back with their little brown bags of food. They've got the little sandwiches and their kebabs or whatever it is. And they're like, Jesus, we've got lunch. Okay, I know you're really hungry. Are you ready? And he says, mm, not really interested. I don't, I don't really need your refreshments. And this is what he says. He says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Jesus had something to finish. He says, for the works that the father has given me to finish, the very works that I am doing testify that the father has sent me. So we've got God who's created the whole world, sat down, finished it. Then Jesus comes along and he's going to finish the work of the father. You know, Jesus' life on earth, if you think about it, was really short, 33 years. And three years of that was ministry. Imagine if somebody said to you, you've got three years to save the world. I'm exhausted just thinking about it. I've been on two missions in my life and they were both to Cuba. And they were each about 10 days long. Boy, did we pack a lot into that mission. We had the whole of Cuba to save. And well, actually we didn't because there's some incredible Christians there. But, you know, we just wanted to, we wanted to bring the word of God. We wanted to bring miracles. We wanted to bring Jesus to Cuba. And sometimes we go to three churches in one day. And it was exhausting. And we weren't actually that good at doing the whole resting and stopping. But we were really good at taking Cuba for Jesus. But, you know, Jesus had some great boundaries. He had three years to save the world and to finish God's work. But he still took time out. He still sometimes would be found on a mountainside. He'd be found in a meadow or a garden just with his heavenly father. And we know because it says in his word that he only did what he saw his father doing. He Again, he got some great boundaries. He was saving the world in three years, but he also had time just to spend and see what his father was doing. And he listens to his father and he completes the mission. I don't think we ever doubted that he would. Let's look at John 19, 28 to 30. Later, knowing that everything had now been finished and so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Wow, Jesus finished 
in the most spectacular way. More spectacular than dying on a cross. Because three days later, he rose again. And it really was finished. Death was finished. Where, oh, death is your sting. Sickness was finished. Poverty was finished. Mental health was finished. And, you know, sometimes it's difficult because we look at those things and think, well, if they're all finished, why do I feel like this? Why am I experiencing this? But actually, he's still not finished. Because after Jesus, in the whole master plan, comes the Holy Spirit. So we've got God. He creates all things, finishes and rests. We have Jesus, who finishes the work of the Father, dies and rises again. He died once for all of us. And then we have the Holy Spirit. What does the Holy Spirit come to finish? Well, he comes to finish us. He comes to complete us. He comes to fill us and he comes to seal us. This is what it says in Ephesians 1, 13 to 14 in the message. Amazing. It's in Christ that you, once you heard the truth and believed it, this message of your salvation, found yourselves home, free, signed, sealed, and delivered by the Holy Spirit. This signet from God is the first installment on what's coming. A reminder that we will get everything that God has planned for us. A praising and glorious life. So the Holy Spirit is that connection. It's that deposit. He is that piece of heaven, like a piece of holiness that's deep within us. And it brooks no argument about where we stand or who we belong to. He seals the deal. It's like he's a tattoo on our hearts. We're sealed. We're indelibly marked out by the Holy Spirit. And we are finished and completed by him. It's the Holy Spirit that links us in to the finished work of Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit that links us to the Father through Jesus. Imagine if we didn't have the Holy Spirit. Imagine if we just knew about what Jesus had done. And we knew about what the Father had done. But it was just history because we couldn't really experience it day to day. That would be a massive part of our lives that that just didn't exist. But the Holy Spirit has come to seal us and to promise us and to link us into all that Jesus has done. So we're going to look at three three areas that God has finished. We're going to start by looking at us as individuals. In Philippians 1.6, Paul is writing to the church in Philippi. And he says, and this is a great promise, a promise that we need to hold on to. He says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. You know, however sometimes, however rubbish we might feel sometimes, however far away God might feel sometimes, however wobbly or shaky we might feel sometimes, we can be confident that a work has been begun in us and it will continue until the day of Christ Jesus. 
And that was God's plan all along. The Father's heart has always been that we should be complete. I remember many years ago when we first started to meet here. So that's probably 25 years ago. Yeah, about 25 years ago. And I think at the time something had happened. I think probably a couple of people that I knew had walked away from God, walked away from the church, just thrown the whole lot in. And and it made me feel a bit wobbly. And I remember saying to God, what if that happens to me? What if I just give it all up and walk away? I wasn't thinking about doing so, but I was kind of looking long term and thinking, what if I'm not here in X number of years time? Maybe I'll just walk away. And I remember God saying to me really clearly, we're in it for the long haul. You and me, we're in it for the long haul. And I, I've never, I've never doubted since then that I would still be here. It's not that I've never doubted, but I've never doubted. I've never thought, mm, that could happen to me. I just felt that God sealed in me something that said, you'll still be here. We're in it for the long haul. And that's true for all of us. We're in it for the long haul. And he's here to complete us and to make us whole. Let's look at Hebrews 12, verse 1 to 4. Possibly one of my most favorite pieces of scripture, if I was pushed. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author And finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Wow, you think that was a big price to pay. When it says the joy that was set before him, Jesus endured the cross. It must have been a big prize that he was getting in order to endure the cross. Imagine having to do that, but knowing that beyond the cross was such complete and utter joy that you could go through that. That's a big prize. And the big prize is is us. It's what Jesus has done for us. But it says that he's both the author and the finisher. Some um, versions say he is the perfecter of our faith. And that's also true that, that Jesus is bringing us to perfection. But he's the author and the, and the finisher. And we fix our eyes on him. We're not going to finish ourselves. We're not going to be able to drag ourselves over the finishing line without fixing our eyes on him. Our job is to run. It is to run the race. It's to run the race well. It's to take responsibility for ourselves running the race. But if you just flog yourself trying to run the race. I'm not very good at running. And and when I was at school, we always used to have these races. Why do you have races? And it would be the sprint. I'm not bad at cross country. Again, I'm in it for the long haul, but believe me, the sprint, I was rubbish at. And every year we would get to the sprint. And I think this, this is going to be the year. This is going to be the year I'm going to do it. I'm going to be really, really good. And every year I came last. I was absolutely rubbish at sprinting. But the thing is, we're not in this for the sprints. We're in it for the long haul. And we just have to fix our eyes on Jesus and run the race. And he will do the rest. 
So that's God finishing us as individuals. The second people that God finishes is he finishes those that are not yet fully formed, those that are taking their first tentative steps, those that are maybe just setting out on the journey, those that have maybe made a first step through the gate, those that are just, God is kindling something within them. But you know what? He will complete and finish them. In some ways, it's easier to think about ourselves because on a good day, you get to be in control of yourself. Um, I don't, I'm not sure what happens on a bad day, but on a good day, you get to be in control of yourself. And we know about ourselves. We know that we can take responsibility for us. We know that we can fix our eyes on Jesus and run the race. But actually, when it's people that you love, when it's your neighbors, when it's your children, when it's people in your everyday world, when it's your friends, and you're not quite sure where they stand or what's happening with them. That can be so much more difficult. We don't know where people are on their journey. And it's not our job to offer them a quick fix. It's not our job to tell them that they're miserable sinners who need Jesus. It's not our job to stop them from sinning. And it's not our job to make them be like or think like us. It's our job to love them. To really love them. To listen to the Holy Spirit and to be obedient to what he asks us to do. And that last one can be a real toughie, but that's the real key. Just listening to the Holy Spirit and doing what he tells us to do. Because people really need to hear the good news about Jesus. And we need to be ready to tell them. But it's a word in season. It's the right way to tell someone. It's the right time to tell someone. You know, in Ecclesiastes, it says God has made all things beautiful in his time. And we can bring a beautiful word or we can do a beautiful kindness to someone. Because if we're going to tell people about Jesus, we really need to show them Jesus. And what we say about Jesus needs to match up in our lives. So if I tell you that I like going to the gym and I particularly like using weights and then if I walk up the stairs with a tiny box, I'm going to get to the top. I'm absolutely exhausted. I've got to put the box down because really it tired me out getting up those 10 steps up there. You look at me and think, does she really go to the gym? Does she really like weights? Because what she's saying doesn't match up to what she's doing. And people see through us. Because they want us to be authentic. And they desperately want the good news that we have to be real. They want it to be true. I remember another time when I was doing a a speech and drama exam. I've had years of training, as you can tell, to be here. And one of the things I had to do was read... um, probably in a dramatic way, something out of Pride and Prejudice. I would have been in my mid-teens and I was supposed to read the book. But to be honest, I was busy reading the Jackie magazine. <laughs> Anybody who's a similar age to me will know what that is. The Jackie magazine, in particular, the problem page and then the posters in the middle. They were amazing. David Cassidy, David Essex, the Osmonds and the Bay City Rollers were on my wall because I read the Jackie. 
what I didn't read was Pride and Prejudice. And the problem was I was going to be asked questions about it. So I got to the exam. I did my dramatic reading. I can't even remember what it was. And then they started to ask me questions. And the question they asked me was, do you think the end of Pride and Prejudice was contrived? I didn't even know what contrived meant. (laughs) Never mind the ending of Pride and Prejudice. (sighs) I think I probably passed the exam, but boy, did I blag it. I really did. And I reckon they saw through me. And people will see through us if we are not authentic. If we are not living the life that we are talking about, and if we are not being Jesus to the people that we're talking to. It says in Ephesians 2.17 that he came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to you who were near. Our friends, our relatives, our neighbours, our workmates, they might be very near or they might be far off. They might be out now hostility. Ask Linda about the out now hostility. She'll tell you about it. But she's got work colleagues, as we heard from that wonderful testimony, that she can engage in great conversation with. And others that are just antagonistic. But that doesn't mean they're far away from God. It just means they're antagonistic. And we can't judge where they're at. But what we can do is love them and listen to the Holy Spirit. And see what he has to say. So what I'm saying is, don't rush things. Don't rush to fix people. Love them and let the Holy Spirit do the finishing. It's really important that people that come through the gates, people that come through our doors, are born well and not necessarily born fast. Because people need to find Jesus for themselves. Not because we tell them they should. And we need to be authentic and so do they. They need to find Jesus in a real way for themselves. And it's our job just to love them and to speak a word in season and to stand by them and to be with them. And to just draw them towards Jesus and draw them into our family. Because we don't need to do the finishing. God will do the finishing. The Holy Spirit will do the finishing. Jesus is already finished. So we just need to listen to the Holy Spirit and do what he asks us to do. And then thirdly, he finishes us together. Ephesians three seventeen to 19 says, And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people, To grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know that this love that surpasses all knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. We are being filled to the measure with all the fullness of God. We're being filled up with God. Now that must lead to completeness, to perfection to being finished off because we are being filled together, together, us together with all of God's holy people, filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And again, our job is to love one another, not to try necessarily to fix one another, to correct one another. 
although sometimes that's appropriate, and I believe in discipleship and leadership, but our job is to love one another. If Jesus is the author and finisher of my faith, then he is the author and finisher of your faith. And so I can trust that he's going to do that. If he's completing a good work in me, then he's completing a good work in you. And I can trust him to be doing that. But we need to love each other at least as much as we love the people that come through the gates. You know, it's easy sometimes, isn't it, to be gracious to people who we feel don't know any better, haven't come amongst us before, don't know anything about Jesus, don't know the word of God. But sometimes that grace and love runs out for people that we feel just should know better because they're part of our family and they've been here for a while and really they're a Christian, so they should know better about what they're doing. But you know what? We all make mistakes and we all mess up. Leaders make mistakes. Leaders mess up. But we've got to have at least as much love and grace for our family as we do for those that are on their way into our family. Because God is completing us. And we are his people. And it's really important that we pull together. In Romans 15, 5 to 6, it says, May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind towards each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and one voice, you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We need to have the same attitude of mind towards each other that Christ Jesus had. Christ Jesus died for us. Christ Jesus loves us unconditionally. Christ Jesus, for the joy set before him, endured the cross. I'm pretty sure we can endure one another and more. Because we're in this together. We're running the race together. Spurring one another on. We're fixing our eyes on Jesus. So that we don't grow weary. And we're believing in one another. We're believing that he will complete us. But we're also believing in one another. In Romans 15, Paul Paul also writes, he's writing to the Romans, but I'm taking this for Community Church Huddersfield. He says, I myself am convinced, my brothers and sisters, that's us, that you yourselves, shall we say that we ourselves, are full of goodness. We, my brothers and sisters, are full of goodness, filled with knowledge and competent to instruct one another. I believe that's true. I believe that's us. I believe that we are full of goodness, that we are filled with knowledge, and we are competent to instruct one another. Some of us might be filled with more knowledge than others. Some of us might be more competent to instruct. I know that I learn a lot when I have conversations with the children that hang out around here. I love them. Jared Haygarth once gave me a great lesson on happiness in your head 
and happiness in your heart and the difference between the two. And it was an awesome conversation and it was absolutely profound. And I know that the kids are also full of goodness. They are filled with knowledge and they are competent to instruct us. How amazing is that? Because we can learn from one another. And we don't have to finish each other off. We don't have to fix each other or try and make each other think. I don't have to make you think like me. I don't have to try and make you do something. Because we are in this together. We are filled with knowledge. And we are competent to instruct one another. So let's believe that we are all doing the best with what we've got. Let's love one another and trust the Holy Spirit to finish and complete us all. Let's offer authentic, unconditional love to those coming through the gates. And let's trust Jesus, who speaks to those who are close by and those who are far off, that he will finish what he started in us, and he will finish what he has started in them.